What's the point of the point? And why does it matter? It's the difference between wisdom and glorified banter. The answer has answers all interconnected. Cause no part of true truth should feel they're rejected. You can argue and fight for each nugget of knowledge and defend each new truth as you would in college. But the real true answer is just how they're adjoined. Cause what we're all really seeking is the point of the point. Hi, this is Dr. Golden, and welcome to episode 10 of The Point of the Point. This episode is entitled Awareness Factors. Today, I will discuss the factors that degrade awareness and then the factors that upgrade awareness. But first, let me define awareness. The Wikipedia definition is, quote, the state of being conscious of something. More specifically, it is the ability to directly know and perceive, to feel, or to be cognizant of events, and that it, quote, is often synonymous with consciousness and is also understood as being consciousness itself. I would add a few things, however. In my mind, consciousness is a neutral position. Awareness is a positive one. That is, one could have an unlimited amount of it. As a matter of emphasis, but not as a cut-and-dry definition, I think of the word consciousness more in terms of having it or not having it. I believe that we are all playing this vast game of life, each learning specific lessons of life on our personal sojourn. And the one constant in life, all of life, is the slow, sometimes faltering, but continuous movement towards ever greater and greater awareness. The point of the point of life is to maximize awareness. It is energy, the energy of consciousness. And as awareness takes greater hold, one equates it metaphorically and then metaphysically with light. So now that we know what the target is, let's look at the factors that negatively affect awareness. They are the following. Being a novice in this world, that is, not having enough experience to drive the car, or in this case, drive your awareness. This is unavoidable. We've all been there one way or another. The focus is totally diffused, and yet we receive input in a totally unfiltered way. One hasn't learned that awareness begins by creating and holding a focus, a focused attention on one thing. Number two, as one develops the ability to focus, it turns out that many natural paths are dead ends, or worse yet, circles or ruts. In these cases, it simply takes a little stored energy and awareness to break out of that cycle. It often takes guidance, where one has the clarity to focus on that guidance. This is where teaching and learning often takes place, especially with children. 
But these obstacles are points that one cannot expand awareness other than to get out of that cycle. Number three, with further experimentation with awareness, one develops imagination and the ability to predict future outcomes. This helps ensure expanding one's awareness and landing on both feet. However, when those new skills are not consistently used or used without control, haphazardly, serious mistakes on the road of awareness may occur. Sadly, this is where much of humanity is. So as in number two, one can get into a well-built and fortified circle. Only these are more pronounced. Once one gets into that circle, one develops repetitive behaviors that continuously reinforce themselves and thus continuously strengthens their own realities. And so... When one is stuck in the circle, it effectively becomes reality for that person. You might ask, why would a supreme being or unifying universal force allow this to happen? My guess is that it is consistent with this theory of living for the purpose of having life lessons for the purpose of learning those lessons for the purpose of attaining ever greater awareness. Enough said. This cyclical behavior in tunneled awareness are actually habits. Good habits, of course, are great, but have a limit on the expansion of awareness. Bad habits are the culprits, and evil habits, well... They're just plain evil. This is the problem with addiction, notably drug addiction. But any addiction that permeates through the normal, physical, emotional, mental, intuitive, and subconscious planes of our existence can have a profound effect on our awareness, our well-being, and also our immediate ability to do anything about it. The deeper the hole, the more determined and the more focused one must be to break it. And there are no guarantees. Other than, after the first small success, each following success becomes slightly easier. But that is of little consolation for those with no successes. Which is why the best medicine is always preventative medicine. And that means being humble, respectful of what can go right and what can go wrong, and utilizing your God-given gifts, I'll say, more than you think you need to, because you need to. The masters talk about the five deadly sins, lust, greed, etc. The truth is that every medicine taken at the prescribed amount can be medicinal, but when taken to extremes can be deadly. Taking things that are neutral or beneficial in balanced amounts 
can be absolutely poison when taken in extremes. These sins are sins because they are actually beneficial in small balanced amounts. They are medicinal. But medicines are deadly, or sins, in these extreme amounts. The best start to getting out of an addictive lifestyle is to take Aristotle's advice to heart. Quote, Moderation in all things. And if I was addicted, I would be moderate wherever I could be. This is because all skills and habits are profoundly transferable. If I am on a diet and then I watch my every penny, you may laugh. I may lose weight. Number four, ego. And when I say ego, I mean egotism, the unbalanced, sick version of the healthy ego. When, because of environmental input, the ego or sense of self becomes weakened or disjointed from natural reality, it diminishes, or worse yet, expands wildly as a reaction. This is narcissism, where the self gets in the way of seeing and being in the natural reality. From this point of view, the world becomes an extension of you, and everything else is the enemy. The main problem with egotism is that it prevents you from seeing the spiritual essence of a person, even of yourself. One soul. There was a famous drawing on the cover of the New Yorker magazine which viewed the country from the point of view of Manhattan. It showed Manhattan taking up most of America. That is a narcissistic point of view. If you've ever been to Manhattan, you would quickly understand how this could happen. The problem with ego illness is that it really distorts reality. And worse yet, tells you everything is fine. In fact, others who challenge your view of reality in your prejudice eyes, they are simply narcissists who are trying to impose their conception of reality on you for their advantage. Because that's what a world like that does. Like a virus that takes over the production of your own cells, ego takes over your senses, your judgment, your intelligence, etc., and uses it all against you, all the while blaming the enemy out there that does not conform to your new world view. And you blame them by projecting how you would behave if only you had the resources that the other person has. As you can see, number one, no experience is excusable and treatable. Number two, accidentally falling into dead ends and circles is also excusable and treatable with a little boost of focus or the help of others. 
Number three, addictive habits. is difficult to treat, but treatable, or next to impossible to treat, and takes long-term maximum discipline and attention to overcome, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Number four, egotism may be easy, hard, or near impossible to treat, depending on how successful and comfortable you are in that narcissistic world. As a universal principle, no one will give up something to get something else unless they perceive that it is an even exchange or that they will come out ahead in a way that has value for them. No one will change unless that is clear to them. So, the sick ego ones who are the most successful and supported in their sickness are the least likely to transform to a healthy ego. However, for all people who have ego illness, the keys to the car are in the glove compartment. It is simple, but you really need to deeply want it. Sometimes, after extreme difficulties or tragedies, the ego is more moldable. In any case, it is simple. Be truly and purely humble. Not fake humble. Humble from sincere, heartfelt awareness. And its amazing sibling, gratitude. Anyone can have a healthy ego at any time. So simple. So hard. Now, drum roll. Number five. Just as ego illness is the first major malady that strongly degrades awareness of the individual and their individual surroundings, classism is the mother of evil in communities, regionally, nationally, and internationally. It is the mother of all other isms in that you cannot be any other ism without being a classist one way or the other. But you can be a classist without being any other ism. So, Dr. Golden, just what do you mean by classism, and how is that so terrible for the world? Isn't it just pointing out the natural differences in man that you and I can easily see? Dang. I would have asked that question myself. Hold it. I just did. I, personally, am not a classist. I truly believe that I am a human being. All other classifications of me are descriptive and subsidiary to the fact that I am human. One of over seven billion humans in this world. We are all family. I live a life not hugely different from anyone else. 
I have similar needs. I have similar situations. If I met someone else, we would likely enjoy or at least feel more alive being around each other. I'd say 99% of you. If you sit and relax, you can literally feel the presence of others. It's there. Feel it. We are truly all connected. The healthy ones, the happy ones, the sick ones, the suicidal ones, the crooks, the saints, the everyday ho-hum ones. Just notice it. We all have real feelings. We all have sensitivities. We all come from the same source. And we express that source which is qualitatively the same. The same light source. The human kindness. Often muffled, but always a breath away. And we as a species are interconnected to all other species and life forms that are known and unknown. And when Joe sneezes, Jill catches a cold. And when someone shares a beautiful experience with another, the other has the same experience. When a collie looks at a golden retriever, the collie sees another dog. The golden retriever isn't prejudging the collie. When we see other human beings, we need to see them as another precious example of humanity, warts and all. I say precious if you have the spiritual courage to see that. If you truly live by the above statement, by definition, you are not and cannot be a classist. You have a healthy ego which informs your relationship with people and with groups of people. Fundamentally, a classist is a member of a communal ego which is almost always narcissistic and either incorporates other communal ego bodies into its own, whereby it enslaves them by creating a lower caste, and then sets itself up as the higher caste. Notice, I use class and caste interchangeably. The higher caste spends its time justifying the fact that it is stealing the energy and resources from the lower caste, to the point where the lower caste is dug into a psychological cycle of truly believing that it is in a lower caste, in which its life is formed for the purpose of giving as per the demands of the higher caste. If this higher caste cannot absorb another communal ego group, then it becomes the enemy, which must be destroyed. Least its narrative be challenged. You have given your identity, viewpoints, and values as property to the care of the collective group. To that degree, your identity, viewpoints, and values are identical 
to the collective group. Now, the narcissistic group is not designed to see or understand individuals. Individuals are seen as representatives of one group or another. They certainly cannot see nor acknowledge a human being's essence or soul. This is why ethnic, regional, national, and international conflicts and wars, cold or hot, occur. Let me paraphrase one of my sons. The root of evil in this world is by blaming a whole class of people for a problem or a crime. You could blame an individual if you could have enough evidence to prove it in a courtroom. You could never be able to prove the guilt of a whole class of people in a court of law. And by making such accusations, depending on the crime, it is as if you must punish a two-year-old who was a member of that class equally to anyone else, since they are criminals simply by being in that class. Truly, that is really what you personally are allowing for and authorizing when you blithely blame a whole class of people. Think about it. A classist may be a member of a higher caste, the more successful troublemakers among us, or a lower caste, less successful, but very much part of this caste system, or from any other group which asserts a narcissistic point of view. But Dr. Golden, what if I wanted to join a book club? Would I be a classist? Only if the book club saw other book clubs as something to take over, buy out, or proclaim that they are a bad book club, or that they don't have a right to exist. Otherwise, no. The club is a communal ego, but the communal ego is healthy, not egotistical. So, the happy-go-lucky human being individual bumps into a member of a caste that is egotistical, Immediately before you know it, you are being analyzed and judged based on the paradigm of the group, at least to the degree that the member understands. And you think you're speaking to an individual? No. Outside of the here and now, your friend has a pretty complete version of you in their head. They've probably already decided if you are a member or a potential member of their group or in another group. They never consider you as your own self nor as an equal member of humanity at large. Their awareness and vision has been altered by this group think. Nor will they actually see who you are with accuracy until and unless they identify themselves with humanity at large and as sovereign individuals. When we identify with groups, and groups can only identify other groups, we cut off reality of the individual. We cut off our connection to humanity at large because we can't accurately connect with or see humanity or the full human experience. 
This cuts off our fundamental connection with each other, and I would suggest our maker. It distorts our vision into a distorted, kaleidoscopic version of reality, like a series of abstract memes directing you to a pre-made textbook conclusion. Basically, as a very famous radio announcer bragged to his audience, you are simply a clone. He had the audacity to stick it to them and make them feel great about it. In this state, individuals can commit terrorism and call it patriotism and vice versa. Up is down, down is up, war is peace, peace is war. These statements are absolutely true when the individual is swept up in classism where the classism for its own survival becomes particularly vicious. Today, there is a discussion about whether science is real. When I was a kid, if a kid said that, they'd be a wise guy and they'd have to go to the principal. And if it was an adult, they'd likely wind up in the fifth floor. If a particular caste has decided that it is operationally best to totally enslave people's minds, they try to take science and objective truths far away. Your inherent weapons of survival. They will grab the media mic and they're in business. You have just given a group the power to determine exactly who you are in your eyes and in the eyes of people you are in contact with. If you are generous, kind, a traitor, whatever. You can't defend yourself because you have identified the ego and values of this narcissistic group and to that degree must live or die by these perceived qualities. Please allow me to go off on a bit of a tangent for a few minutes. People want to quickly know what makes a right-winger tick or a left-winger or whomever. Now, these issues will be focused on in my next season of The Point of the Point. Let's start from the extreme right wing, the most extreme. They are wonderful people in their world. But that world consists of just themselves. Inside, they feel like generous, kind people with great values. They are smart, whatever. But their world is just one person, them. Them versus the enemy, namely us. Now, regular right-wing people are very loyal, loving, kind-hearted, would give the shirt off of their back. You left-wingers take note. Beneath their rough exterior, they are the salt of the earth for their immediate family, their immediate friends, their church, that is the world that they see, the world they know and feel. And in their world, you are family. 
The church or village ten miles down the road filled with strange people? Not so much. Now, the centrists see their world as local politics. They see themselves as responsible pragmatists and, in fact, often are. Their turf is their greater community, the city, the county, and once in a while, the state. Yes, they love their families. Yes, they love their church. But they also think about the church down the road, the family down the road. They even on occasion have some real concern about the families who live on the other side of the tracks. They meet new people in business and see arts from people with sometimes a little different points of view. It's okay. It can be entertaining. Their family may be a family between 10,000 to 500,000 people. Yes, with plenty of internal arguments and disputes, but still part of the family. So now the traditional liberal actually makes a real effort, if sometimes awkward, to be inclusive. Yes, they care about their families, but they know that other families do things differently. They get the principle that some individuals and families care in different ways and have different cultures. Often they are intrigued by these cultures and rather than feeling threatened by them, feel stimulated by them. This is where the idea of class is at least challenged as a regular point of discussion. They see themselves as citizens of their state, their region of the country. And at some theoretical level, they see a national family, as well as like-minded foreigners and foreign nations. When they see a person who doesn't look like them being mercilessly beaten on the TV, and if they look for more than a few seconds... They start to feel the beating. As if the neighbors are beating up his brother right in front of him. Because we're all family, even if distant relatives. But sometimes it seems they can look a lot more understanding to strangers than their own immediate family. The true left-wing progressive's family is not just the nation which are seen as immediate relatives, but also many people and places internationally are seen in a familial light. Yes, they love their family, their clan, their piece of the world, their state, their country. It's just that they care about a much greater number of people. Justice is acted upon here because it is felt so personally so viscerally, it is not a one-up revenge justice, normally, but an attempt at a fair and impartial reading of justice. At times, it may appear that they are more loyal to their lofty ideals and values 
than members of their own family or community. Sometimes true, sometimes an impression. But ironically, they can appear heartless or disloyal. The humanitarians are the lovers of all of humanity. Not to say they like much of what humanity does, but overall, they are more involved in what they love and seeing the glass half full than what they hate and seeing the glass half empty. They do hate corruption, injustice, cruelty, and classism. But they constantly see the light in individuals. They truly feel at one with humanity and often all of life. But they are far from perfect. And their imperfections, when apprehended or suspected, can make them seem particularly disingenuous. But they believe very strongly that darkness in one affects us all. And light, a light in one, affects us all. They are truly despised by classes who spend much of their time projecting their issues and classism on them, like a magic act. The humanitarian works inside the system, they work outside the system. People try to idolize them, tempt their egos. And if they don't fall for that, classes will often try to silence or even eliminate them. While individual and group tragedies can happen due to classism and narrow-mindedness, everyone has the sense that at the end of the day, that darkness cannot defeat light. All light has to do is shine brighter. That ends darkness. Very simple. Very true. We all have light to share. And in terms of light, to quote Vince Lombardi, the coach of the Green Bay Packers, the best defense is a good offense. Personally, I ask that all of us respect each other. Humanity matters. True, real, objective reality matters. Each of our subjective realities matter. Now, I will discuss the relationship of other isms and ego illnesses to classism. And finally, I will in simple terms tell you how not only to prevent a contraction of awareness as I've done, but how to expand it. Racism is a classism whereby one race is in the dominant class. You can't be a racist without being a classist. But you can be a classist without being a racist. Racism, as all isms, have that same relationship to classism. In the case of racism in today's world, 
The light-skinned people belong to the privileged class, and the more tanned people are the resource-mind people, the lower caste. Now, let's say that I am in a lower caste. I am also a racist if my primary or main identity is of that caste, rather than being an individual human being among billions of human beings. My religion, nationality, race, etc., I can identify with secondarily, tertiary, etc. That's just fine and accurate. But I am a racist if my race is more important than my humanity or being a member of the human race, even if I am this disparaged race. I am a nationalist if my identification with the nation is more important than my humanity, etc. This is why Dr. Martin Luther King said to judge a man by their character rather than the color of their skin. He was saying that whatever your race, identify with what it means to be a human being. And so, there is fascism, Nazism, communism, alcoholism, consumerism, etc. At the end of the day, the group is classist with a specialty in whatever their specialty is. Let me go back here. The problem may be confusing. The answer is really simple. Just be and know your individual self and see all other humans as such. And make that your primary identification and primary interest. This is the best, quickest way to actually expand your awareness. The awareness that is real and accurate. Now, I want to quickly go over a few paths towards achieving greater awareness before we close shop. First, meditation. This means relax your focus. The only focus you should have is on relaxing the various tensions of the body and mind. As a standalone, it is a great way to unwind, to take a nap, etc. At that point, normally the body, mind, and spirit will take over and do any further repairs as needed. Second, contemplation. This is having an uninterrupted high focus on something, some vision, some issue, some question, something. Normally, one might first meditate a bit, and then while there is still some consciousness, focus on something. Some consider it to be a sin to meditate rather than contemplate. You know, getting lost in too much of nothing. Agreed, if you spend large amounts of time meditating and not moving into contemplating, then you could wind up blindly walking into a lot of psychic traps and troubles. And that's never good. But meditation is great for what it does. And if you do it the way I suggest, you will be able to utilize meditation and contemplation for best effect. Third, Dreaming and dream interpretation. When you are going to bed, relax, meditate. 
And then, as you are ready to drift off, with sincere intention and absolute faith, ask that your dreams and insights will answer a question you pose. The more specific, the better. Your dream self knows you and how you interpret things. And don't let your dream self down. Do so ASAP. You can still ask for clarifications in the morning, and you will get a sense of some communication to you about it. Be innocent about it. Have faith in the process. And don't worry if it isn't an IMAX soundtrack. Fourth, psychic and spiritual exercises. I will not elaborate now. This is merely a placeholder. If you are already involved, you don't need me to elaborate. Fifth, matters of the heart. This is what I want to elaborate on now. It is powerful, spiritual, and accessible to nearly everyone. The heart is the fast lane to godliness. You don't need to be a genius or a guru. You just need to have a heart. Part one. Let me say that the best way not to lose all of your good intentions and increased awareness is by having courage. Or as I have stated, the rage of the heart. Cicely Tyson, a famous actress, once said that, quote, without courage, all other values worth having will disappear. I say this in the context of increasing and maintaining one's awareness. And number five, part two, if you've been done wrong or you disappointed yourself, or someone got you so angry that you'd really enjoy doing them harm? And you want to immediately increase your awareness, your vision, and your power. Just listen to me. Forgive. That's it, folks. Just forgive. But Dr. Golden, that a-hole doesn't deserve it. And you know what I say? Perfect. Thank God he doesn't deserve it. It will mean something. Here's why forgiving is so powerful, why it's so magical. The secret? You have to prepare your own awareness to a very high universal level to honestly forgive. The actual forgiving is just the ceremony. You've already done the work. And in the process, you've given the forgiven a real chance to heal by letting them know that their essence is still loved. Forgiveness travels invisibly to the receiver. Forgiving. Well... Giving is the most godlike thing we can do. But how cool is it to actually give?
before, notice the four in front of the word, you would naturally need to give. That's like extra credit. Ten karma points in the bank. So, the big question is, what on earth are you forgiving? So, in my view, and I've gone over this, life is essentially black and white, in its essence, light and darkness. In this world, there is a mix as there is in each of us and in each group of us. At times, for the benefit of our consciousness, light moves into form which tends to personify itself or that aspect. And the same is true of darkness. Even though darkness doesn't generate its own energy and lives as a kind of reflection of light, it also moves towards form which tends to personify itself. Thus, depending on the energy, we may perceive angelic spirits or demonic spirits. These spirits may individualize or may coalesce, creating a network of intertwined energies. Now, on an individual level, each person may express both of these in different amounts at any time, and yet the individual also has its own mind and decision-making capacity, especially when these forces of light and darkness are predominantly balanced. When the individual is overwhelmed with demonic energy or angelic energy, there is much less free choice for obvious reasons. In that case, the majority of what we identify as that person is actually channeling angelic or demonic energy to a particular degree, depending on time, place, and environment. As individuals, we are seen as individual people. And if we do something right or wrong, most people wrongly attribute it 100% to the individual, on, off, did it or didn't do it. But here's the rub. That bad stuff that they did or whatever is generally in the 1% to 99% of who they present themselves to be in this world, even Hitler or other people totally invested in demonic energy all the time, do have some tiny space, okay, maybe a hundredth of a percent with him, where they are their true soul selves. But you see it as 100% absolutely. So, this is what to forgive if you are forgiving, in my view, correctly. You are totally removing any blame or shame from the part of themselves that had no part in the transgression other than to helplessly watch it and yet to be blamed by you. You are forgiving that part of themselves, no matter how small it is, that was an unwitting passenger in the back seat while there was a robbery going on. You made the mistake of blaming everyone in the car automatically, but that innocent passenger is a pure part of that soul. Forgiving is simply acknowledging that overgeneralization 
and clarifying and correcting it. You are, in fact, giving and reaffirming the sovereignty of the essential soul of the individual. But forgiving can never, never, let me say this again, forgiving can never be used to anything or any part of a person that channels the negative. One cannot forgive negativity. That is a dangerous and deceptive use of the term forgiveness. In fact, it is clearly not forgiving. It is reinforcing the negativity by acknowledging it and giving it your attention energy, and thereby you become an open channel to further spread that negativity. So, in order to forgive, you must dig deep inside of yourself. You must go to a place where you can see the big picture of life. If the infraction is small, it is easy. If it is big, you simply have to go deeper to clearly see the exact contours of the light and the darkness. And you don't have to. But it is a way for you to expand your awareness. But please understand, forgiving is strictly optional. You never have to do it. Now, they may never take advantage of the opportunity you gave them by forgiving them, but you have just given them that opportunity. And the deeper you dig, the more aware you become. That, my friend, is the gift. It is for you to give to yourself and to give a chance for the other to become more enlightened as well. Well, that's a wrap. Obligatory note. Every word and every note of this episode is original content created for entertainment purposes only. Got it? Thanks for listening. Tune in to our next episode of Point to the Point. This is Dr. Golden signing off. Cause the real true answer is just how they're adjoined. Cause what we're all really seeking is the point of the point.